Nebuchadnezzar the king made an image of gold whose height was 6 cubits and its width 6 cubits. He set it up in the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. And King Nebuchadnezzar sent word to, to gather together the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of the image which King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. So the satraps, the administrators, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the judges, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces gathered together for the dedication, the image that dedication of the image that the king Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood up before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then a herald cried out loud, "To you it is commanded, O peoples, nations, and languages, that at the time of you." time you hear the sound of the horn flute harp lyre and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music you shall fall down and worship the gold image that king demukadnezer had set up and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast immediately into the midst of a burning fiery furnace so at that time when all the people heard the sound of the horn flute harp and lyre in symphony with all kinds of music all the people nations and languages fell down and worship the gold image which king demukadnezer had set up Therefore at the time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews they spoke and said to king Nebuchadnezzar who o king live forever you o king have made a decree that everyone who hears the sound of the horn flute harp lyre and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music shall fall down and worship the gold image and whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the midst of the fern- burning fiery furnace There are certain Jews there there are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon Shadrach Meshach and Abednego these men O king have not paid due regard to you they do not serve your gods or worship the gold image which you have set up then Nebuchadnezzar in rage and fury gave the command to bring Shadrach Meshach and Abednego so they brought these men before the king Nebuchadnezzar spoke saying to them is it true Shadrach Meshach and Abednego that you did not you do not serve my gods or worship the gold image which i have set up now if you are ready at the time you hear the sound of the horn flute harp lyre and psaltery in symphony with all kinds of music and you fall down and worship the image which i have made good but if you do not worship you shall be cast immediately into the midst of burning uh, fiery furnace and who is the god who will deliver you from my hands Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, "O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and He will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up." Then Nebuchadnezzar was full of fury and the expression on his face changed towards Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. He spoke and commanded that they that they heat the furnace seven times more than it was usually heated. And he commanded certain mighty men of valor who were in his army to bind Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego and cast them into the burning burning fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their coats, their trousers, and their turbans, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning fiery furnace. Therefore, because the king's command was urgent and the furnace exceedingly hot, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell down bound in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. 
Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose in haste and spoke, saying to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the midst of fire? They answered and said to the king, True, O king. Look, he answered, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar went near the mouth of the burning fairy furnace and spoke, saying, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came from the midst of the fire, and the satraps administered his governors, and the king's counselors gathered together, and they saw these men on whose bodies the fire had no power. The hair of the head was not singed, nor were the garments affected, and the smell of fire was not in them. Nebuchadnezzar spoke, saying, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him. And they have frustrated the king's word, and yielded their bodies that they should not serve nor worship nor any god except their own god. Therefore I make a decree that any people, nation or language which speaks anything amiss against the god of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego shall be cut in pieces and their houses shall be made and hash heap because there is no other god who can deliver like this. The, then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Uh, let's pray. Our loving Heavenly Father, oh God, we thank you for the time that you have given us. Oh Lord, thank you for the time of worship and reminding us about the wrath which we, which we were truly deserving. Oh Lord, but in your abounding grace, oh Lord, thank you for saving us and writing this chapter of salvation for us so that we can come boldly into your presence and worship, worship you in this uh, manner. Oh Lord, we pray for Jerry, brother, oh Lord, as he ministers to us your word, Lord. Oh God, we pray for the guidance and help us that we can give undivided attention to what is being spoken about, oh Lord. Help us that we can imbibe these teachings in our lives, oh Lord. We keep this short prayer in the name of Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. I read a story about uh, a church where there was a message preached about the idols that we have in our hearts. And uh, the congregation was really convicted and they decided that we are going to do something about that today. Um, so they uh, went and they took all these idols uh, which were symbolic of the idols that they had uh, in their heart. And they said that we will have an idol burning ceremony uh, in the backyard of the church. So uh, people started bringing things from their homes or taking things out of their wallets. Uh, you had cosmetics and uh, there were, you know, PhD degrees, bank statements, uh, car keys, uh, magazine cutouts of uh, cars that people wanted to have, um, photographs of people that had, you know, become idols for them. Uh, and, and there was this big heap that was there at the church backyard. And they said that we will now burn all of this Symbolic to we uh, leaving all of these idols uh, which were there in our hearts. But they didn't find a match. Um, nice believing group, no, no matchstick, no, uh, uh, no lighter. So, so they didn't find anything to burn it up. Um, so they said that, uh, okay, um, we've brought all of this. That's good enough. That's symbolic of we having actually left all of these idols. So... Uh, that's it. Uh, we'll turn our backs and we'll go back. So all of them started going back slowly. A few turned around um, um, like Lot's wife. Uh, uh, but then eventually all of them went. Now this one lady, uh, when she was at home, she was tossing and turning and she was, uh, you know, she was very restless. And she started thinking that 
I don't think that one thing that I left there was is actually an idol. It's it's not truly an idol. Um, so come dawn and when it was still dark, she slowly got up and sneaked out of her house and you know made her way to the church backyard to get her idol back because she felt that wasn't an idol for her. And as she reached there, she saw her idol was the only one left there. The only one still left lonely in that church backyard. Oh, how we cling to the idols of our heart. Um, as we go through this passage of Daniel chapter 3, um, it speaks to us about so many things. And yet in the center of it all is who do we bow down to? Who do we bow down to? We saw through... Um, couple of weeks when the Lord gave us an opportunity in Daniel chapter 1, how the Lord prepared Daniel and placed him for God's use. And we saw that the Lord started his preparation not in Daniel 1.1, but way before, right? That's the time when Daniel was 15 years old, but way before God had started work in Daniel's lives through the people that he was with, right? People who were molding and shaping his life. And God prepared him through his word. And Daniel held on to that and bases that commitment towards the word. He made a resolution. But Daniel resolved. We saw this young teenage 15-year-old taking that stance uh, in Daniel chapter 1. And he was prepared and placed for God's use. And then we saw in Daniel chapter 2 how God had then set things up for this Daniel whom he had prepared and placed to be now used by him for his glory. And, uh, uh, and, and we, we saw how that amazing uh, uh, miracle unfolds of, uh, of the king forgetting his dream and Daniel not only telling him the dream but also interpreting it for him. And by the end of chapter 2, Nebuchadnezzar, this... Um, this emperor of literally the entire world at that time, he falls prostrate before this 15-year-old and maybe 18 years at that time in chapter 2, 18-year-old teenage slave. He falls prostrate before him and, uh, uh, and he gives him all honor and he gives him uh, offerings and incense and gifts and, and he promotes Daniel uh, to a really high position, the ruler over entire Babylon and in charge of all the wise men. And we see all of that in the end of chapter 2. And uh, at that time, Daniel doesn't forget his friends who were along with him. Right? These four people who were the only ones who uh, stood up to the king, who, who stayed uh, focused in their commitment and resolution to what God had taught them. Daniel and his friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So Daniel recommends that they also uh, should be given a place and position in the kingdom. And his friends are made administrators over Babylon. And Nebuchadnezzar acknowledges God. See in chapter 2 and verse 47. Nebuchadnezzar, he says, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. What a conversion 
um, you know, when we, when we read that is what we feel that a pagan god, uh, a pagan king, sorry, turning to a living god. But then it was a short-lived conversion. And many times, just like us, many times just like us, see and experience the amazing work of God in our lives, but then it stays just for that little while and then go back to our old ways. And King Nebuchadnezzar now in chapter 3 shows a very different side of uh, himself. Now till now the focus has been on Daniel in chapter 1 and 2. The three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego, uh, and their names were changed from their original Hebrew names. They seem to be simply going along with Daniel. Daniel, at a very young age, seems to be a mentor to his other friends. right? And uh, we just, when we were studying that, we had also touched upon the importance of godly friendships and mentors in our life. And there are so many examples of godly friends and mentors in the Bible, from uh, David having Jonathan with him, from Joshua uh, having Moses with him, from Timothy having a Paul with him, from John Paul having a Barnabas uh, with him, uh, from Abraham, uh, sorry, from Lot having Abraham with him, and uh, uh, from the disciples having the Lord Jesus Christ with them. So many uh, beautiful examples of what godly friendships can do to help and encourage and build us up. But now in chapter 3, Daniel is out of scene. We don't, we don't hear a mention of him at all. And he would definitely have had a good reason to not be there. You know, with King Nebuchadnezzar, you can't have a flimsy reason for not being present. Right? Um, it's, it's, it's not like uh, uh, MNCs, right? Uh, uh, in, in our team, a lot of times I get a WhatsApp message saying that don't feel like coming today, uh, taking a day off. Um, you know, it, it wasn't like that with Nebuchadnezzar. You couldn't, you couldn't just say that I don't feel like turning up today. So Daniel would have definitely had a very important reason, perhaps official reason, for not being present. And uh, as we read through, we realize that it was God-ordained. Daniel not being there was God-ordained. And Daniel also later on faces a similar situation. Much ahead in Daniel, we'll see that he also is alone at a particular point of time when he has to uh, take certain decisions and, 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 and take a stand. And a lot of times, our faith will also be like this, tested when we are alone. Yes, the Lord brings godly friends and mentors in our lives to build us up, to encourage us, to be there with us when we fall, to lift us up. But then the Lord will also take us through times when we are alone and when our faith will be tested alone, when we will not be in physical proximity with our spiritual mentors or our friends. Um, I grew up uh, all my uh, you know, initial years of schooling and college uh, with my parents. And so my faith to a great extent was actually their faith. Right? Um, when I look back, uh, you know, I realized that I would read the Bible because I would be asked the next day. Um, I would go to church because there was no other option. But then, and it, it wasn't, I, I got saved. Uh, but yet, to a great degree, my faith was being influenced by the people around me. And then um, I got a job and I moved to Pune, 
and there when i was you know away from my family is when really my faith became my own because i had to uh, i had the freedom to choose whether uh, i would read the bible uh, and sometimes uh, a week would go by without having uh, having read the bible but when i would actually read uh, i would i would just uh, you know uh, i would just drink it all up because it would be because i really wanted to so that's those are periods when the lord takes us through uh, times of being alone when our faith becomes our own and um, and and that's important for us so that you know we are not left in a situation like what the lord jesus christ uh, uh, warned us about where um, we simply call out lord lord and the lord turns around and says that uh, but i don't know you right so uh, these times of of being alone for uh, shadrach meshach and abednego uh, in chapter 3 was was really a time when we see how their faith was really theirs right um, and as we get into the chapter we see nebuchadnezzar making this uh, uh, gigantic image of gold 90 feet height 9 feet width uh, uh, just for reference that would be almost like nine story uh, tall building right um, and he summons all top officials for the dedication ceremony so you can imagine this very imposing uh, tall statue made of gold of his own image nebuchadnezzar's own image uh, and everyone has been called there to bow down and worship uh, at this dedication ceremony where did nebuchadnezzar get this idea where did he get this idea of building an image to himself and as i was thinking about that um, my mind just went to chapter 2 and verse 31 and 32 can someone just help read that out please chapter 2 was 31 and 32 uh 37 and 38 also brother So in the interpretation to the dream that Nebuchadnezzar had seen uh Daniel tells him that you are that head of gold and that perhaps would have just gotten into uh, Nebuchadnezzar's head right it would have just uh, uh stayed with him that the image of him being that head of gold everything else being inferior to him but then he has selective memory he forgets about uh what happens later to that Uh, to that statue in verse 45 we read that there was a rock which was cut out of a mountain but not by human hands and that rock comes and breaks the entire statue into pieces so nebuchadnezzar forgets that and that is something that satan actually uses this yeah you know the selective memory or uh, half truths is something that satan has used right from the start 
with adam and eve he did that uh, telling them only about part of what god said and not the rest while tempting jesus satan was trying that uh, picking verses and and portions of scripture out of context um, and with us also satan does that a lot of times we remember promises but not the conditions that come along with a lot of those promises we remember that whatever we will ask god he will give us but we forget that he has said that in my name in my name and how important and loaded that condition is we uh, uh, we remember the covenant to abraham and we appropriate it to ourselves he said i will prosper you and multiply you uh, but we forget that there's a condition walk before me be blameless so a lot of times satan does that uh, makes us uh, recollect or hold on to part promises half truths without thinking of the condition and we we ought to be wary of that let's not forget the lessons that god teaches us and let's not forget the conditions that bring the promises true because for nebuchadnezzar that turned out to be uh, very dangerous but this massive imposing gold a gold statue is there and uh, he brings the royal orchestra um, there's a huge crowd which has assembled and when the music played out loud nebuchadnezzar had commanded that everyone must fall down and worship the image else they will be thrown into the blazing uh, furnace and um, we read that everyone falls down to worship and when we you know see verse 2 and 3 there's a repetition of the uh, of of the people you know the names are just repeated just to emphasize that everyone who was there everyone who came bowed down and worshiped verse 5 and 7 again repetition that everyone obeyed everyone including the other jewish slaves uh, other jewish people from exile um, who were from the royal family except for these three men shadrak meshak and abednego young men perhaps 20 years of age when this happened and just imagine the kind of pressure that they would have felt uh, you know how they would have really felt that uh, in front of this king and this this huge crowd everyone obeying and following and doing what the king has ordered uh, and a lot of times you and i maybe not to that extent but you and i also feel this kind of pressure uh, the pressure of what others are doing what others are expecting us to do uh, and a lot of times it comes on the back of success on the back of something that someone has done for us uh, the king had just promoted them just given you know uh, people who were slaves such a high position uh, a sense of indebtedness is what uh they should have felt right and humanly speaking a lot of times that happens to us um uh, sometimes you know um in in office if our bosses have been uh, good to us and and given us a promotion given us a raise there's a sense of indebtedness that is there um in in schools and colleges when uh, you know teachers give us uh, a, a, you know some kind of a responsibility or recognize us there's a sense of indebtedness that uh, is there uh in our minds or with our friends uh, sometimes you know there is that sense and and there's this pressure that is created because of that and because of what everyone else is doing and then when those people ask us to do something that we know is not right as per god's word uh how much more difficult it becomes and that's the kind of pressure that uh, shadrak meshak and abednego would have been feeling at this time and we see in verse 8 that the astrologers the chaldeans they tell on them uh, because these three do not bow down and worship 
Um, and I was thinking, why were the Chaldeans upset with Shadrak, Meshak, and Abednego? Why, why was this uh, hatred towards them? We, uh, they themselves reveal that actually in verse 12, if we see in chapter 3 and verse 12, uh, this is what they're saying. But there are some Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who pay no attention to you, O king. They neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Uh, and they reveal, uh, you know, in this statement, uh, in this blame that they are putting before King Nebuchadnezzar, uh, the Chaldeans reveal the reasons for their hatred. The first is the identity of these three itself. There are some Jews. Now that itself was, uh, was something that the Chaldeans disliked, hated. Uh, also that they were different from them, whom you have set over the affairs. Uh, these three friends were actually now put over and above them. So they were different from them. And, and that's something that uh, the Chaldeans did not like. And the fact that they were holy, they neither serve your gods nor worship the image of gold you have set up. Their, their standards of holiness was also something that uh, these three did not like. And my, 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 my mind went back to uh, uh, John chapter 15, and we were, uh, we'd studied that in our uh, Hindi study last Sunday, uh, where the Lord Jesus is speaking about how the world will hate us, and he gives certain reasons why the world will hate us. If we can quickly turn there and see uh, what Jesus is saying, it, it echoes these same reasons. John 15 verse 18 onwards, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. If they obeyed my teaching, they will obey yours also. They will treat you this way because of my name. For they do not know the one who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not be guilty of sin. Now, however, they have no excuse for their sin. We see these same three reasons coming there, right? Jesus said that because of my name in verse 21, because of the identity that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ, right? Because we, we proclaim to be his, because we are different, chosen you out of the world in verse 19, and because if we live like Christ, then we are living holy lives and we will end up exposing the sins of others. Verse 22, our lives like Jesus. Um, we also saw in, uh, in today's worship meditation, you know, in John chapter 3, that everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. Uh, and one, something for us to really think about and introspect you know, when we uh, went through that passage uh, in our Hindi study uh, in John 15 about the reasons that the world uh, hated uh, or hates uh, the disciples or hates us followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, one, something for us to think about is that does the world really hate me for those reasons, right? Not to be hated for the wrong reasons, not because we are uh, holier than thou or, uh, you know, or rude uh, in the way we come across. Uh, uh, the Bible very clearly says that we need to live in peace with all men. But does the world hate us for the reasons that the Lord stated because of our identity with the Lord Jesus Christ? Do, we, do people really know that we identify with him? Uh, 
do people know who who the lord jesus christ really is and what he stood for or have we watered that down in our testimony right have we watered down who jesus really is in our testimony one of many or do we really proclaim him as the only one uh, are we different from the rest of the world in our thinking in our in our behavior in our lifestyle in our speech in our priorities in our choices are we really different from the rest of the world and are we really living holy lives the way the lord expects us to if we do then like shadrak meshak and abednego we will also face similar situations of uh, of people disliking us and nebuchadnezzar is furious when he hears this right uh, he summons them asks if it is true and then gives them another chance to bow down and verse 15 he says now when you hear the sound of the horn flute lyre harp pipes and all kinds of music if you are ready to fall down and worship the image i made very good but if you do not worship it you will be thrown immediately into a blazing furnace and then uh, he says something which is so uh, proud and uh, you know and a, and a stubborn statement challenging god he says then what god will be able to rescue you from my hand and nebuchadnezzar has completely forgotten that the gods that he believed in were not even able to reveal to him what dream he had and in just uh, a short while from saying in verse in chapter 2 verse 47 surely your god is the god of gods and the lord of kings nebuchadnezzar is now saying what god what god from saying that surely your god to what god and again many times like us it's it's not just him many times like us right uh from enjoying and experiencing god's goodness in our lives a lot of times we turn to this uh complete opposite direction of what god we might not say it but a lot of times that's how we are living right living lives which uh which are bereft of god without god but the three do not give in they are staring at death right uh it's almost like if in modern times a fully loaded gun were to be pointed at their foreheads and they are staring at that barrel and being asked and given another chance and they know that their answer this time will decide life or death just imagine how difficult it would have been we we have never been in situations like that i don't think we will ever be in situations like that but for these young 20 year olds you know away from their homes away in exile and everyone else who came along with them has recanted and has bowed down just as the king commanded and they are alone without their friend daniel it wasn't easy at all for them we know the outcome but shadrak meshak abednego did not know the outcome i was uh, uh, just thinking about you know some examples uh from our uh, uh, you know from people that we know and uh, again this was something that we were discussing in the hindi meeting the other day um uh, there's this uh, young girl in our uh, uh, in the church that we come from in thane at that time uh, she might have been in her uh, uh, early school years maybe in in the in the second or third standard uh and uh, the school prayers uh, were going on and they just started this new tradition in their school of uh, of chanting some shlokas uh, 
and this girl said that she would not so she was silent during uh, those prayers and when she was asked she said that you know i cannot say these prayers and uh, um, this was a government school in thane and they slapped the girl in in the assembly hall in front of uh, everyone um about another uh, young girl she was in a 10th standard in fact it's a family which is uh, which had moved uh, at that time recently from bangalore you know many of you know them and um, uh, again a similar situation um, there was some cultural program and you know they were being asked to do some religious activities and religious prayers in that culture and this is one of the biggest schools uh, in thane um, and um, uh, this girl very politely said that uh, she will not be able to do that uh one of the brightest uh kids in her class she was uh, insulted by the teacher in front of the entire class um uh, and throughout the rest of the academic year made to sit at the back row and you know always being taunted for that uh one incident um and um uh, again uh, you know sunil was with us uh, uh last sunday and you know he was sharing about uh instances in balod uh about villagers being ostracized um you know not uh, not being made part of their community anymore he was telling us about two young girls who have fled from orissa and are seeking shelter um uh, you know with uh, some believers there in balod because uh, they are fearing for their lives uh, different degrees of of what consequences we can face right maybe never the barrel of a gun uh, maybe never a truly fiery furnace but different degrees and um the question for us is do we buckle or uh, will we really stand up for uh, for the lord and for what we know is right um and and shadak meshak abednego give a polite but very firm reply um from verse 16 to 18 if someone can help read that please 16 to 18 what shadrak meshak abednego are saying um, uh, you know is is that and and they start off by saying that we have no need to defend um they're not being rude or offensive to the king what they're really saying is that in this judicial inquiry there is nothing really for us to uh, present we stand guilty it's not as if we had not heard your decree it's not as if we not understood uh, what you were expecting from us it's it's not as if our backs were hurting and so we could not bow down there is there is no defense from our side uh, really for this we stand guilty is what they start off by saying and then verse 17 and 18 god can rescue us you know what an amazing testimony uh, and then verse 18 but even if he does not but even if he does not we will not bow down uh shadrak meshak abednego's actions did not depend on what god would do for them but it depended on what god had clearly asked them to do their actions depended and came from god's word just like we saw in chapter 1 in the case of daniel as well that commitment and that resolution was coming from what daniel and his friends knew about god and had learned about god and his and his word and that's exactly what uh, shadrak meshak and abednego 
also are doing. They knew the law. They knew that the first commandment was, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Thou shalt not make uh, unto thyself any graven image. They also knew how the godly patriarchs had followed this command of the law. Uh, Job had said in, th- uh, in Job chapter 13 and verse 15 that though he slay me, yet will I trust him. And they knew about Abraham's sacrifice. So they knew what was God's law and they knew how the patriarchs had followed that in spite of whatever the consequences would have been. And that brings us to the question for ourselves that what about us? What about our choices? You know, how do we make decisions in our life? Do we know the word? Do we, uh, do we spend time and energy in trying to find out what God really expects from us? Do we at least follow as much as we know? Whatever God has already revealed to us, are we making a conscious attempt to prayerfully and with God's help follow that? And do we do it when we are alone? Or is it only when there are eyes around us looking at us? What would be our choices if we were put in similar situations? But even if he does not. You know, one of the most challenging verses for me is this statement from uh, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in verse 18. But even if he does not save us, their decision was not dependent on whether they would get their miracle. And the king also understood this. See, in his testimony in verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar says that they were willing to give up their lives. So the king knew that this is the choice that they had made. They knew very well what was the consequence. And yet, they were. Um, they, they, it wasn't as if they were expecting a miracle to happen. And God does do miracles to strengthen our faith. Like he had done earlier for Daniel and for their friends. You know, he had uh, done that in chapter 1, he had done that again in chapter 2. So when they were 15, when they were 18, they saw God's hand of miracle working in their lives. They saw God answering their prayers. But after that, God expects us to be committed even if he does not do the miracle. Do we believe that God is just as good when he does not heal us as when he does? That he's just as loving when he doesn't provide all that we think we need. That he's just as gracious when he says no as when he says yes to us. Is our trust in the Lord only basis what we will get back? Or is it basis our understanding of who he is, of his goodness, of his character? God can save us from the fire. God could save, us, save uh, them from the fire. And God can save us from our situations, whatever we are going through or whatever we will face in the future. But he may choose not to. And that also would be for our good and for his ultimate glory. When I was thinking about this, my mind went to Acts chapter 12, where two incidents just follow one after another. And this is uh, King Herod, who is... Uh, persecuting uh, the believers at that time and especially he is trying to go after uh, the first disciples and the apostles and, and, and the leaders of the church at that time. And uh, when we read, you know, uh, the first two verses, we see that he, uh, he takes James, the brother of John, into prison and puts him to death with the sword. And we don't see the Lord intervening and rescuing James. But then immediately after, we see Peter is also 
put into prison and we see how God amazingly sends his angels and rescues Peter. Very similar situations, right off, one after another, in one God chooses to intervene and do something, uh, something which is visible and uh, seems miraculous and in the other he chooses not to both for his ultimate glory and for our good. And Nebuchadnezzar's attitude completely changed when he heard this statement uh, from the three friends and he heated the he got them uh, he got his people to heat the furnace seven times hotter and he sends the strongest soldiers to tie the three and throw them in uh, and even the soldiers who were approaching the furnace they get burned and killed and these three men all tied up they fell into the furnace and then we see in verse 24 and 25 that Nebuchadnezzar is absolutely amazed with what he sees. Weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? They replied, certainly, O king. He said, look, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed. And the fourth looks like a son of the gods. You see, God's promise to be with us in the midst of our suffering. You know, from Deuteronomy 31.6, God's promise that he will never leave never forsake. So whatever they were going through, they knew that God would be with them. And in that situation, they were actually able to experience that in a, in a very tangible way. Something for us to always remember that God will take us through these situations, situations which at times might, might seem to be uh, testing us to the limits, but he will be there with us and, and walk with us and be with us in the storm. Um, and, you know, he asked them to come out. Everyone crowds around them. They check their bodies, their hair, their clothes. Um, at least there will be the smell of fire, but they seem to have been untouched by the fire. Uh, and then Nebuchadnezzar's testimony, when he sees all of that in verse 28, praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know, if, if you were to just read that first few lines, uh, first few words, it seems as if it's uh, a psalm of David. Praise be to the God. Yeah, and it again feels like this is the moment of conversion uh, and change of heart for Nebuchadnezzar finally. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego who has sent his angels and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's commands and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. What a beautiful testimony to, uh, to what he's seen the three friends uh, stand up for. But was this a conversion and change of heart for Nebuchadnezzar? Um, sadly, no, because we see that uh, in verse 26, he says, servants of the most high God. He's, he's still in this mindset that there are many gods and that uh, you know, this God is one of them. And that's why ahead he says, the praise be to the God of, in verse 28, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. For him, Jehovah, is still their God. He's still someone else's God. Um, what's beautiful is that God doesn't let go of Nebuchadnezzar there. Right? This is the second intervention that God is having in his life. And as we uh, read through Daniel, we will see that God stays with him and continues working with this uh, with this great pagan king till he brings him to his knees uh, to a point of, of full conversion and commitment. Um, but so beautiful to see what happens in the life of Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. Just imagine how they would have felt after this experience. And not only 
uh, not only their testimony, but also the uh, success that God gives them. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego in the province of Babylon. And like I said, in the, in, in the center of all of this is that big question of who do we worship? Who do we bow down to? Who takes the highest place in our lives? And idolatry is, is the first thing that God wants each of us to set right in our lives. There is a reason why that uh, is the first command that the Lord gave, because He wants the first place. Uh, there can be no substitute to His place when He looks at us. And, is it, uh, and, and there are so many things, many times, which take that place. If we don't keep checking our hearts, if we don't keep evaluating ourselves and, and keep seeking forgiveness from the Lord and, and consciously moving away from those things, keep encouraging each other to identify uh, the other gods in our lives, then things and people, possessions, pleasure, prominence, uh, prosperity, so many other things can take the place that God should have in our lives. Uh, a person called Leslie Flynn said something like this, like the flow of a river which cannot be stopped but which can be diverted, the yearning of man's soul for an object of worship can easily turn from the true God to another God. Basically, man is religious. You know, he, he puts each, each and every person, each and every human being puts their faith on something. There's something or someone that every person bows down to. And either it will be the true God or it will be a false substitute. Uh, Again, in worship, we were uh, looking at Romans chapter 1, worshipping creation rather than the creator. And the danger there is mentioned that they made images like them, end up creating a God like us, you know, gods who lie, gods who steal, uh, gods who use any means to win, gods who display jealousy and hatred uh, and immorality. The difficulty with worshipping the true and living God is that you have to face the reality of your own uh, weakness, of your own sin. Now, God created man in his own image, and man ended up creating gods in his image. And as, as people do that, right, whether it is uh, animate objects or uh, it is things in the heart, it leads people to further immorality and sin. And it's, it's a downward spiral when God doesn't take the first place. And if it's uh, an animate object or something else that is in our heart, because Psalm says that those who make them will be like them. And uh, even in Romans 1.24, therefore God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts. So if we hold on to other things than God, if we give other things priority above God, then there could come a time when God will give us over to those sinful desires. Let's just bow down our heads and think through some of the things that, um, that the Lord brought to our attention through this passage. Are there, are there idols which are there in our hearts? And many times, you know, uh, we might feel that, no, there is nothing else. But if we were to really look at where we spend our time, where we spend our our money, you know, that might reveal where we spend our thoughts, that might reveal things that are taking the place that God should be taking in our lives. 
Is it possessions or the desire for more? Are there certain people who are taking that place in our lives? Is it the pursuit of pleasure or of prominence or of prosperity? What are we spending our time and our energy and our thoughts? What preoccupies us? If it is anything else than the true and living God, then we have given that place to an idol. And if the Lord is speaking to us, shall we just, you know, commit that area into the Lord's hands and ask for His help to keep that away? May we be good stewards of what God gives us, but may those things not become lords over us. Now, you and I might never have to face a fiery furnace literally. But it could be opportunities of, or, or instances of embarrassment, of being cut off, the fear that we'd be made fun of, ostracized, maybe even physically roughened up. The Bible teaches us that God uses these trials and the testing of our faith to make us complete and not lacking anything. James chapter 1. And in Philippians 1, that he has begun a good work in us. Can we see these instances, these times as as times when God is working on us, molding us, shaping us, turning us into the kind of people that He likes us to be, that He'd want us to be. While we spend time with our believer friends and our mentors, shall we remember that there will come times when our faith will be tested alone. What is our, what is our own faith? Shall we use these days to strengthen ourselves, to make our faith our own? And tell the Lord that, Lord, when it comes to me doing this alone, Lord, please help me. Can we start basing our actions on God's word and on godly examples that we have seen going ahead of us? Shall we think about the hatred from the world and whether we really feel that because of our identity, because we are living lives which are different, identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ and living holy lives, And may we cling on to the words that these three friends said that, but even if he does not, but even if the Lord doesn't 
do things the way that I expect. I know that he can, but even if he does not, my faith and my actions will not change because my trust is in who he is and on his word and what he expects me to do. And as we go through all of this, may the Lord help us to enjoy his presence with us in the midst of it all. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, Lord, for your word. I want to thank you, Lord, for the example of these three young men, Lord, who were willing to stand for their convictions even when they were away from their friend, when they were alone. Lord, we pray, O Lord, that you would help us, O Lord, in our own small little situations, O Lord. We might never ever actually face something of this magnitude, O Lord, but Lord, help us, Lord, that in our own small situations, we'll be willing to stand up for what we know is right as per your word. Willing to identify ourselves with you. Willing to be different. Choosing to be holy. And may, O oh Lord, we enjoy knowing that you are working in us and with us in all of those situations. In Christ's precious name we pray. Amen.